Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your host, Olivia Harlan Decker. Okay, everyone, welcome back to Unleashed. You know, I'm celebrating, my whole family's celebrating, the whole state of Wisconsin is celebrating because the Bucks win their first NBA title in 50 years. Oh my gosh. Giannis Atatakumpo, MVP, the 26 year old, had 50 points. That equals Bob Pettit's closeout game record. And most of that was in the second half. The second half was incredible. Halftime deficit. He also had five blocks, 14 boards. He was great from the line. He only missed two free throws, something that kind of became a joke during the playoff run. He was incredible. Let's not forget, too, he hyperextended his knee exactly three weeks ago. He was thought to be done for the season. He was only out a week. He led the Bucks, who were down 2-0 in the series. They win four straight. We've got to appreciate this story. We've got to appreciate the good guys. He was drafted by Milwaukee eight years ago. He barely spoke English. He was sending all his money back to Greece to help his family. They were struggling. He just wanted to provide for them. There are so many stories, maybe even kind of more locally known, of people, kind strangers, giving him rides to practice because he had sent all his money back home. He's just one of the good guys. He wins MVP of the league twice. He could have left. He could have joined a super team, but he wanted to do it with this team for this city. Could you believe the shots of the Deer District last night, by the way? There were like 60,000 people or something like that. That's more than the little town I live in. He signs a five-year extension, the Supermax before the season. And he said, this is the hard way to do it. This is the way he wanted to win. Also, total class move. He invited Suns head coach Monty Williams in the Bucks locker room afterwards. Monty, by the way, has also been a star in this playoff run. It's been so great to hear more of his story, watch him coach his team. And the Suns will be back. And, you know, Rihanna says that the Bucks will be back. He says this feeling is addictive. He wants to run it back. By the way, today on BetMGM, you can bet for that exact outcome. The Bucks 22 championship at plus 800. There's some fun features there if you want to check them out on the BetMGM app or at BetMGM.com. Over to college sports. College football media days have commenced. It's always a fun time of year. Alabama is the favorite to win the national championship at plus 250, despite only returning 33% of their offensive production. That's second fewest in the FBS. So man, they just turn them out over there. This will be an interesting season as it's the first season where players can capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. That became official July 1st. For example, new Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. Yeah, he's looking at seven figures off the field. So definitely want to monitor that story. It's kind of the wild, wild west as everyone's trying to get a hold of this. You know, Michigan is the first to do it with jerseys. That one seems so obvious. The MDEN, University of Michigan's official retailer, who's going to be the first to sell jerseys with names on them. Also, seems so obvious, but players are signing deals individually. It's not with the university. 
Oklahoma quarterback, Spencer Rattler. He's the first big name to have public autograph signings. And I'm not talking about a barbecue joint in Norman or anything like that. This is at a convention in Chicago later this month. Names like Barry Sanders, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, they'll also be in attendance. He's an early Heisman favorite. But this is the outlier. Most players are going to be doing much smaller local stuff. But you want to keep an eye on this, folks. We're going to talk with Darren Ravel about this later. He is the sports business expert in this is big money sports business. So Darren Ravel is our guest this week. He's polarizing, sometimes controversial. And guess what? He doesn't care as long as you're talking about him or better yet, following him. He's so accomplished in sports journalism, in business, in life. He is currently the senior executive producer at the Action Network, covering sports gambling as a whole. He has been at ESPN twice, hired right out of college. You know, we actually discussed who was hired there younger. I always thought I was ESPN's youngest on-air hire at 22. Yeah, I was wrong. You've seen him on ABC News, CNBC. He wrote two books by the time he was 27 years old. He's anchored documentaries, led investigations, and he earned an Emmy for his 2008 election coverage for NBC. Gosh, he does it all. What I really like about his story, though, he went to Northwestern, which has one of the best journalism schools in the country, but he majors in theater. He has a great voice. He wanted to be on Broadway. While he was at school, he had a sports radio show where he kind of found this niche of sports business. And he said, even though I was a college student, I wanted to have the best sports business coverage in the country. So when ESPN comes to campus in Evanston looking for interns, he pitched himself and basically created a job that was not there. Gosh, he really fascinates me because he's such a high performer. He operates with utmost efficiency. We'll talk about all that with him. So love him, hate him. You probably follow him. Let's bring in Darren Ravel. Okay, Darren, before we get into some sports betting and sports business items, I can't wait to pick your brain on. I want to clear something up because I was at ESPN for five years as a sideline reporter for college football and basketball. And I was under the assumption that I was some prodigy. I was told I was ESPN's youngest on-air hire for a full season at 22 years old. I had just turned 22. But then I heard you on a podcast say that you were the second youngest on-air hire behind Max Kellerman. I tell you what, that totally burst my bubble, but what is the story there? And can I still carefully craft the wording so I can tell my kids that one day? It was seven days after my 22nd birthday. What do you got? That's pretty good. This was uh, May and I turned 22 in April. Okay, so I think I probably have you by a sliver. <laughs> yeah, no, just, uh, I mean, just a wacko story yeah. of, you know, me reading, and I, I always say young people don't get this, but me reading the the green pages of USA Today as much as the red pages. So the business section, the B section before the C section sports and just falling in love with the idea of being a business reporter who covers sports and not believing that there really wasn't one at the national level. Right. And just luckily, you know, ESPN came to Northwestern and it wasn't an HR person. If it was, I would not, I might've made it to ESPN at some point. Right. And I, I said, you guys are the worldwide leader in sports. Why don't you be the worldwide leader in sports business? And it was a little bit foreign, but I think they got the idea. And I was in Bristol like three weeks later. Man, 
What's Max Kellerman's story then? Kellerman was on a local access TV station in New York at 18. Okay. And he was, yeah. So we kind of have that kinship in common of like, you know, like being on the national stage so young. Yeah. You know, I set up all these rules that I'm thankful for now for my career. Like one of them was like, I'm never dating anyone from ESPN, not going on a single date. Yeah. Yeah. And as inconvenient as that was in Bristol, I mean, you were more on the road. If I would have done that, it just would have complicated so many things. So there's a lot of rules that I made, like not drinking in public, like again, because I had this job, I couldn't believe I was there. It was my dream and I was going to do nothing to destroy it. But that also has to do with considering yourself a brand, which you did before people even use that term, like my brand, I'm branding myself. <laughs> What's the secret sauce to branding yourself in any industry? That's a really good question. First of all, you need to be unique in a way mm. that people think about you. So one of the things I did, and this was later on with Twitter, was I knew I couldn't get all the sports business, but I knew that if I could be a conduit, a go-between, where you know what I do, and you saw something that I would have done if I would have seen it, and now I'm going to give you credit for seeing it, but it's going to be on my timeline, and kind of doing it that way. And I think like when people say, like this is what Darren Ravel would have said, you know, it's just heavily defining what you are and what you would say in certain situations. And it begins with pounding and pounding and pounding the same thing. So right. you know that like Tiger Woods, after he has a putt, Ravel's going to give me the, you know, what he made and what his career money is. And I think just through repetition, that's really how you build a brand and identity. I haven't heard it described that way, but that makes so much sense too, because you found such a niche and you did it first with sports business, but you also do it in, you know, your theater background. Yep. You, you wanted to make a push at Broadway. Like you have this curiosity that extends far beyond sports. That's why it's so important for, for I always think about it, for liberal arts education, for yep. being curious, just mm -hmm. being curious. You know, I, I have a brain that just works at a speed that is both good and very bad. I have three kids. When I have to slow down and just play yeah. hockey or just play in the pool, that is the hardest that you know, I have to literally or on vacation to not read a book or look at a phone to sit there. Oh, my gosh. Is torturous. But that's also made me what I, why I'm good at what I do. And I multitask. I work for the Action Network. Yeah. I am dealing with a memorabilia collection that I'm building every day. I'm a partner yeah. in a venture capital firm that invests in food and beverage. It's accepting that the good and the bad and learning how to train it throughout life. But it doesn't help when you're on Twitter the way I am for good and bad, you know, to figure out how to disconnect. Do you have minions who help you with your social media? I have fired every single tweet, all 280,000 or something like Get that. Out. I have. I will not let anyone touch it. <laughs> I do have a guy who we have a three-way system. Mm -hmm. It is designed so that I could relax for 30 seconds. <sighs> he spends time on Twitter all day. Yeah. And his only job is to fire missives to me in three ways. If something is interesting and not that important, but he wants me to see it and it fits my brand and what I would do, he emails it to me. Mm -hmm. 
if it is semi-urgent, could possibly be something I need to get on, that is a text. Okay. And then whenever I see him call, if no matter where I am, and that's maybe one time a day, I'm picking up that phone. The thing is that I need to tell the betting story or the business story to the original story. Mm -hmm. And the faster I can get that original story, the faster I can then get out that secondary story. Right, right. It's twofold. And it used to be in, you know, I started in 2000. It used to be there was a page called Rich Johnson's Sports Pages. It was all these links of every sports section. Yeah. And I'd wake up at 6 a.m. and read every damn sports section and see, like, what is the story that is the magic today? And so when people say, like, how I think I was probably in between the first and 10th journalist on Twitter and people are like, how did you recognize that that was the platform? And I was like, I didn't. <laughs> I was swimming in a sea of trying to figure out how to get things you know, right. Yeah. And I realized that if I followed the right people on Twitter, I wouldn't have to do what I've done before. So it really it came to you. Yeah, it wasn't about disseminating information. Mm. It was about absorbing the information. What's your morning routine? Like, how do you start off your day? Because your quantity, I feel like, is out of this world, as you were discussing. So like right now, I have about 700 tweets uh, all ready to go for the future. <laughs> so like, I mean, I've morbidly thought about this, but if I were to die and my wife doesn't have my passcode or anything like that, like you'd be getting Darren Rebell tweets like today. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you should give your wife your password. She has my cell phone password. It's all fine. Okay. Um, she's got to get in. Nothing's locked. I don't, I have one phone. Um, I have 1700. That surprises me that you have one phone. 1700. I have 1700 chargers. I have, I do have one phone. Um, now I lost my train of thought. What were we just talking about? Your morning routine. Oh, my morning routine. So my morning routine is actually my night routine. So before I go to bed, I write on a piece of lined paper Mm -hmm. You know, I take a piece of line paper and I write everything I need to do. And there are certain dates that I get ready for. So today, July 20th is 52nd anniversary of the moon landing. And I have some moon landing pieces. Mm -hmm. I have, I just, and the memorabilia side is fun for me too, but like July 29th, is the 40th anniversary of the most famous wedding ever, Charles and Diana. Mm -hmm. And I have a ticket that got you into the church that day. Cool. So, so, you know, I, I'm a big, I'm a history buff. I'm a yeah. theater buff. I'm a cinema music Renaissance man. Yes. you. Are. I love all this. And I love the art of telling the story for your memorabilia collection. I saw the other day, uh, the shirt that Tom Hanks wore in Forrest Gump when he's running in that whole yes. sequence. Not, not the smiley face one. I probably couldn't afford that. Mm. Just the Nike. Do you buy these for a personal collection that is ultimately an investment? Nothing that I buy is cheaper than the day I buy it. Love it. I really believe that. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell the story of it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get Tom Hanks to sign it. I'm always trying to add value. Yeah. And the truth is I enjoy my collections, but I don't enjoy them enough not to sell them. So mm -hmm. I try to jump ahead on markets a one to three years in advance. So I like to, I mean, I'm just big on nostalgia. As an 80s kid, I think 80s, it tugs the heartstrings a little bit more for some reason. I don't know, but I think I know nostalgia. So like mm -hmm. when I saw that graded video games were coming out and people were taking sealed video games and grading them and that they were going to be worth thousands of dollars, 
I was not the guy that said, oh, that's so stupid. I was the guy that said, oh, my God, I get it. <laughs> it makes complete sense. So, you know, I see first generation iPhones are selling for $18,000. Like, oh, my gosh. Makes complete sense to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's also funny because what, what were you going to do? Like, as a young kid, you weren't going to hold on to the video game. You know, you, yeah. you, you ripped you all ripped it open. I, I love the idea of natural scarcity of things. Well, you've been a pioneer in sports business reporting. Then you transitioned to news. You've covered politics, elections. You've won an Emmy. Now you're with Action Network on the gambling side, a senior executive producer. Why sports betting? So in 2018, I was coming to the end of my second stint at ESPN. I had seven months left on my contract, but here I was sitting in New Jersey. The Supreme Court had just made their decision whereby states could now decide whether they want to legalize gambling. And I'm in New Jersey here and I'm seeing it at the ground floor. I happen to be in not many people say, thank God I live in New Jersey. But in this case, <laughs> it definitely applied. Um, <laughs> I was seeing the, the world of what it would be at maturity okay. in my state. And I couldn't believe it. My friends who would talk about sports and text about sports who were not betters all of a sudden we're getting into the lines, the spreads, everything yeah. going on. And I said, this is just going to mirror across mm -hmm. the country. Mm -hmm. If you were to see the buses in New York City that went from New York to New Jersey and back, like every bus was mm -hmm. at MGM, whatever it was. And I just said, you know what? I've, I've gone from writing 20 to 40 to 60 gambling stories a year. Damn. Can I do it, you know, full time knowing that if there were big sports business stories, especially now, like name, image and likeness and other things, obviously the Action Network is going to set me loose. But could I do it more? And I love covering the big bets and I love covering, mm -hmm. you know, all the betting where the money is, where people are voting with their wallet. Yeah. I, you know, that's what people, whether it's a jersey list or whether it's it's gambling, there's going to be so much focus on it. And there's a lot of I think I'm an adrenaline. Oh, I know I'm an adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Plus, the other thing was, you know, this is no disrespect to anyone, but there had not really been a big reporter into the into yep. the betting game. Yep. It was the right time because there wasn't any like, oh, he's not a journalist anymore. And I think a lot of that has to do with the Action Network being like a real it's a real media outlet. Yes, it helps betters get better, but like it's not a tout service. Mm -hmm. So there's no reaction to that. But, you know, I, I felt like I could make betting journalism better. And I, yeah. I feel like I have. I'd agree. I, it's good to have your name and your credibility as well come to the space because this is where the industry is going. Obviously, here we are talking about it. Yeah. You brought up NIL. I want to pick your brain on this a little bit. It is the in in. I'm going to let you ask the question because you're the host. But <laughs> is, is this hard for you? <laughs> yes, I'm the host. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the host. <laughs> I am the captain now. Just shut up there. Uh, <laughs> in 20 years. Yeah. It's definitely one of it, it. It's probably the craziest thing I've ever seen. Mm. The idea that and, and I wrote I probably wrote the very first stories on, you know, when Car at Syracuse, when Carmelo told me, you know, my name should be on the back of the jersey and I should be getting a piece. That's 2003, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. and I've covered and I've asked every NCAA president about, you know, merchandising and everything. The fact that on July 1st, all of a sudden. The whole thing opened up and because of the NCAA losing a Supreme Court case like days before told their appeal was shut down. There is no clearinghouse. No one right. says anything about what a deal should be. 
how much that deal should be worth fair market value. Or could a booster just offer, oh, boosters shouldn't DM the players. July 1st, boosters can DM the players, give them your offer. Oh, agents, agents can now represent players. It can't be an inducement to represent them when they're a pro, but mm-hmm. I mean, it is just in Floodgates, open the floodgates. There should have been like almost a transition period or, or meetings. And I guess my question to you then is if you're an athletic director, how do you stay on top of this? I've spoken to athletic directors. The first mm-hmm. time they see deals is when it gets filed to the school. There's no conversation with the school. There's no conversation with the coach. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, hey, we know you need to file this deal here. This guy's getting $40 an autograph and this and that. And by the way, once they file the deal on what, it, you know, like this guy's getting whatever per autograph, that athlete is not necessarily required to say as long as it's not during practice time. Exactly. When he's doing what, where, mm-hmm. right? So like you definitely lose control. And I don't think, I, I don't think because it seems to be a free for all that there won't be people who will lose eligibility here. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it, it's not as free as it seems though. Again, I cannot believe, and I discussed this with Oliver Locke because I can't believe there is not a clearinghouse that says, this is what each endorsement should be worth for a, if a quarterback and the SEC or if he signs this deal. And if it's above that, there's a holding period or something like that. Now, it's going to be harder to cheat with the schools having the contracts. But, you know, the big schools. Now, here's the thing that I think is interesting. What happens if you have a girl like Olivia Dunn and she's at LSU Gymnastics? Yeah. And they have a great program, but or let's say the the Cavender twins at Fresno State. Am I more likely to go to Fresno State so that I could then appear in their videos and get my value up? Right. Like think about that. Right. Like right. Well, Olivia Dunn has a million plus Instagram followers. Right. Right. And Olivia Dunn has, yeah, three point seven, three point nine million on TikTok. Yeah. Why go there? Because I want to be around her and she's going to increase my value. Yeah. We've never had that before in that sense. And then I'm glad that the atrocity of South Carolina women's basketball and Clemson football of, oh, our players voted that we didn't want to be on social media. No, they didn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't, don't give me that crap. That was bull. And no, and I've always, and, and I've gotten garbage from, and I, listen, I, I take it. I go to battle every day. I'm fine. Yep. I know what I think. I think you like battle. I think you like. I do. I do like. I do, I, I do like battle. I again, adrenaline, <laughs> raging. You know, I'm going to say what I need to say. But the Clemson people who were killing me every year, listen. Yep. It wouldn't have hurt Trevor Lawrence. Maybe it would have a little bit. But like, if you can't engage during the season, mm-hmm. you know, one, that's the coach taking away your opportunity to make mistakes, which is selfish because. You should make mistakes. You know, my horrible mistakes when I've been trending nationally on Twitter, you know, above Jared Fogle of Subway, for God's sakes, you know, I, that's when you really learn. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, just be thankful that yours was and I know exactly what incident you're referring to is you got duped. Yeah. And you, as far as I'm concerned, one major mistake in a career of reporting. Yeah. You know, people, yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of things. Sometimes you make a call. I would say that the times when I've made mistakes 
is when I'm just not fully paying attention. Mm -hmm. You know, young twin boys, they're both crying at the same time. And I'm trying to like, you know, tweet that doesn't work. Oh, don't blame it on the twins now. Don't blame it. Oh, I I will blame it on the twins. They can't. You want to tell that story real quick so our listeners know what we're talking about? Yeah. With the NBA escorts? Yes. So basically, uh, I was doing a story on how the NBA was down in their labor situation that things were suffering. And there was a guy who emailed me who said that he was part of an escort service and his business was down 30 to 40%. So I did not call him, but I conducted an email interview. Mm -hmm. And I basically, to see if he was real, I asked him what I thought were really tough questions. And he answered them really well. And I put it in the article. And like three or four years later, he said, I was this guy. And God. now what's what's interesting is when a news person is holding a microphone up to someone, if someone wants to lie and say they saw the kid jumping off, the, we usually never know. Yeah. But if you're at a point where you're a E-list celebrity like me and you want you, people want to get back at you. Right. And there's yeah. a malicious way. That's the only thing that the way that comes out. But unfortunately, I think journalists are lied to every day to their face. Yes. But it never really comes out. So that, you know, that was I was like six or seven years into my career. I now make sure I doubly check or it doesn't wind up, you know, in an article. There are so many there's so many opportunities you can have to say something in the wrong way to, you know, mm-hmm. you got to be really careful with how you choose your words. And here we are talking about sports and your story was more about sports business and how the lockout was affecting everything. I've been lied to by a head football coach about who the starting quarterback is within two minutes of kickoff and went on air with bad information. And I see the other quarterback running on the field and you just feel so hung out to dry. Now yours was this person had malicious intent. Olivia, I had a worse situation. I was doing a profile of Michael Vick's agent while the agent was negotiating with what I thought was the San Diego Chargers to move up to the first pick in the draft in 2001. Okay. I was in the same hotel room as the agent and he's saying it's the Chargers, it's the Chargers. And I'm doing like a live blog and like someone else is reporting that they're coming close to a deal with the Falcons. Like he lied to me in the room, you know, so Oh, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. You got it. You're expecting mm-hmm. to get things right all the time. And that's why I've, you know, in situations where I've had one source, you know, it's, you know, there's been probably five or 10 situations where I have one source on massive stories and I've gone with it only because I've known it was lock stock. Kobe changing his mm-hmm. Jersey number from, from eight to 24 I had one source. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Kobe, but it was someone good enough that I was going to go with. Oh. So, yeah, you have to have all these rules. Hey, speaking of Kobe, you all had a special relationship. How did that relationship form? And what do you feel like he would have done off the court if he wasn't so tragically taken from us? So in 2006, I interviewed Kobe and uh, he said, hey, you're always talking about the business. You know, as I get to the end of my career, which is, again, that wasn't the end of his career. He had 10 more years left, but it was the first 10, second 10. Mm-hmm. He said, I want to do more business. Give me your phone number. So I gave him my phone number and he continued to surprise me. He wanted to learn about companies to invest in. And I had been investing in food and beverage companies. And um, we sat, you know, I used to go to L.A. and he 
his favorite restaurant was this IHOP that only had 10 tables because only 10 people or 10 people full of tables could notice him. He was very friendly. He said hi to everyone. And wow. uh, we, we were going to invest in this company and it was $8 million for 10%. And I told him to invest in it and he ultimately didn't. And six months later, it told, sold for $285 million. Oh. And he goes, he goes, next one, next one. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we played that game and I knew I had a lot of pressure on me to do the next one. And we went back and forth. We talked all the time. So for the next one, I said, okay, I got this guy. He just sold vitamin water to Coke for 4.1 billion. His name's Mike Rapoli. You might not like the drink right now, but this is a horse that I would attach my name to and go. So I'm telling you, you already lost 23 million by not listening to me. I'm telling you, put your money in. He put $6 million in for 10%. And in the next six months, I think it's going to sell for five to 7 billion. So he's not around, but his family will have, you know, five or 600 million. That's a great story. He was a guy who I would say like lived life in a way that he almost like knew life was short. I know that sounds freaky, but he did not sleep. Mm. And he was the most voracious guy I'd ever seen. And he would have done so much. I mean, look at what he did in his short time off the court with the books right. and the and the business that he did and, and winning the Oscar for Deer Basketball. It's really sad. It really hit me recently when my kid brought home a book, Who Was Kobe Bryant? And I was... Man, I'm that that was I was like, God, he's past tense. It's crazy. It's still hard to believe. Yeah. Thank you for sharing yeah. that too. That's really interesting stuff. My dad, I know, worked with Kobe a lot too when he started doing some broadcasting. And uh he said his last picture with Kobe, it was them walking in the tunnel at Staples Center and someone took a picture and he has it. And I asked him, Dad, do you remember what you guys were talking about in this picture? You know, that's Kobe Bryant. And now everyone's thinking about their last encounter with them. And he said all he wanted to talk about was his daughters. And my dad has three daughters and that's what they were talking about. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I have a video of when he announced his retirement in Philly that luckily another journalist took and he hugs me. And the first thing he asked is, did you bring your babies down with you? You know, he never <laughs> forgot to ask about, you know, your kids. By the way, my favorite line from your father, I hope I don't <laughs> mess this up. I think it's like, Without regard for human life or something like that. I can't remember something like with no regard, regard for, for human, human life. life. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> God, that is, you know, big fan. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Thank you. As we are of you. Thank I want to I want to wrap up talking more about sports betting and now your presence in it. But you recently spoke with our VP of trading, Jason Scott about NBA futures in June and how the playoffs have been so good to sports book because I mean, here we are with Phoenix and Milwaukee. What the heck? Right. Why is this so rare? How did this all take shape? Yeah. You know, I mean, I just don't think any, even people in Phoenix did not think this was there. I think the start of the season, they were the 14th most likely team to win. You know, Milwaukee was up there. I think a lot of people bet for them to win the, I think they were as short as in the beginning, six to one. I think a lot of people, you know, thought that, they would definitely win the Eastern Conference. But then there was mm -hmm. so much of a conclusion out West that, you know, the Lakers or the Clippers, I mean, the Clippers just got so hot with the idea of Kawhi and Paul George on the same team. There just wasn't new energy around mm -hmm. Milwaukee. And honestly, 
I don't think people knew how good Chris Middleton was. I mean, yeah, he is ridiculous and steady. And I just he reminds me of Sam Perkins. He's kind of like droopy eyed, shows almost no emotion and is just an assassin. I mean, it. Yep. and then obviously Connaughton and all the other players just play. They are the Milwaukee Bucks in in a sense are the perfect team. And that's why they don't get looks because we are geared towards a world of stars. Stars. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's really well said. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny with sports betting right now after finals, it's kind of a dead time in the sports calendar before we get into football season. But April, this past April, as we're coming out of COVID was the second biggest month ever for the U S gaming industry. Revenue grew 26%. Why do you think sports betting has flourished after the year we had, why is it so hot right now? I think it's why crypto has been big. I think, listen, I, I mean, I bought $93,000 worth of digital horses. Did you? What? I did. It only lasted 41 <laughs> days because speaking of cheating on the wife, it almost, I was whispering <laughs> and I was very uncomfortable. Obviously, like if she knew I spent $93,000 on digital yeah. horses, I did sell them for a nice margin, mm. but like, and then crypto. It's like, you know, crypto, we need to get our dopamine going. Yeah. Memorabilia, nostalgia, our life sucks. We can't see people like we normally see. Yep. We go back to the time when we were kids and we look at things and it lights up our eyes. So like, you know, I think it's all connected. Betting and mm-hmm. crypto and memorabilia. We are trying to just have something. I'm kind of dumbing that, but it has something to live for. Like, in each mm-hmm. day, figure out how to have intensity running through our body. And I, I think that very simply, that's what it is. That's what it is. I wholeheartedly agree. One more thing. Mental health has never been more relevant for us laymen and for athletes. It's never been discussed more in sports. You host a podcast with Theo Flory. We're all a little bit crazy about mental health. I love the title. <laughs> what have you learned from doing this show? So when I hit 40, I was like, ah, I've only enriched myself. I haven't really done that much for society. And I looked at all the things that I could have done. I disagree. First of all, you have brought us a lot of entertainment over the years. Okay. Entertainment, joy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, but I want to do some real things. And I, I thought, you know, I'm not a doctor. I can't cut out something and give someone life that had cancer. And, mm-hmm. you know, mental health is a crazy thing. No one thinks about mental health. I was in 2010, I was humming along in my career. I was in Vancouver for the Olympics. I was broadcasting for CNBC starting at 2.30 in the morning and ending at 2.30 in the afternoon. And something was running through my body. I had adrenaline running through my body. My feet were shaking. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I do not know what's going on. I essentially like I had never taken care of my mental health. And it just, mm-hmm. this is the time, like actually 30, if you look at like, that was the time like where I just broke down and I somehow like got on some medication, which was crazy where the, the words were moving around in the prompter. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Like when people say, oh, you were on 300 milligrams of this drug. What were you in bed all day? I go, no, I was on national television for 12 hours. And they wow. go, that's impossible. So I realized, okay, I can't, drugs are not going to save me in this thing. I got to do therapy. I got to do, I got to find all these things. 
And I found myself and I, and I, and I figured it out. And then I said, you know what, I got to just work on this for the rest of my life. So I joined the organizations actually were all a little crazy. And then we started doing this podcast. We went around to 20 to 30 schools and gave these presentations where we told stories, did breathing exercises, allowed people to ask questions in a forum on mental health that they've never had before. Mm -hmm. I think I've saved probably 20, 30 lives. Again, I'm not counting, but there were people who were in bad shape Mm -hmm. who didn't know what to do. So we're hoping that, you know, through talk, through reaching out to us, I mean, the podcast has been great. We've had so many topics to talk about, whether it's Naomi Osaka or mm-hmm. or Richard Sherman or whoever. So mm-hmm. yeah, very important to my life. And at the speed that my life runs, I think that's the the part where I kind of slow down and, and it feels really good to give back because it's the community, Olivia, is so underserved. And mm-hmm. you know, you have these statistics that come out with, oh, the year in COVID, there were fewer suicides. And then unconnected. The same organization a month later says, oh, there were 25,000 more drug overdoses. Like if you connected that, it's the worst mm-hmm. year for, mm-hmm. for death in that sense. So I hope that my platform can augment it and really talk about it before it's like, we always hear like suicide hotline. Mm-hmm. That's a great, I'm not shutting that down, but like, let's get to people. Four. Yeah. Make people realize they need to talk to someone. Let's let's make it cheaper. Let's make it easier to get to all that. I think that's mm-hmm. really important. Well, Darren, thank you for sharing not only your story. Everyone should check out that podcast. We're all a little bit crazy. And thank you for letting us tell that story as well. And for the record, every time you have a platform like you do, and you're so big on social media, and now this podcast, I bet you're helping a lot more people than you realize. So thank you for speaking out on that. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for joining us today. I wish we could go so much longer just about your career. There's too much. There's too much going on. There is. There is. You are one of a kind. Darren Ravel, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Olivia. MGM's betting expert. He helped us out every week. Peter, welcome back. Uh, Suns still unable to win their first title. They lost four straight games in this year's final. Now, after the game, Chris Paul says he's not retiring. So now we wait and see if the Suns want to pay him this offseason, bring him back. They're at plus 1400 to win the title in 2022. How do you like that one after the way we saw them go out this season? Yeah, it's going to be tricky. I mean, you can obviously talk about Giannis's amazing game yesterday, mm-hmm. but there's also something to be said about Chris Paul and Devin Booker's uh, not so great game. I'm not a fan of the Suns for next season. Mm-hmm. You kind of alluded to it. Who knows what's going to happen? I tend to think Chris Paul may end up somewhere else. I think Lakers, <laughs> Lakers, as Magic Johnson alluded to last night. <laughs> I think that's always an option. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Absolutely. What were the numbers ending up with Giannis winning MVP? By the way. Yeah, so it varied as the tournament went on. But I think if you went in the second round, you would have got him at something like plus 700, which is great value. Yeah. And then going into the championship when he was, uh, I think it was unclear how much he was going to play. Mm-hmm. I think you had somewhere around five or 600. All right. So if you had an inkling that he was going to you know, show up and be able to play and on that, that injury, 
you still left yourself with a chunk of chains that $20 bet gives you a hundred bucks right there. So not a bad deal. And not we actually bad. had a customer parlay, both bucks to win and Giannis to win MVP. So um, a nice little payout for that customer. Oh, absolutely. Now it does seem very early to be talking about NBA favorites for next year, but that's why we're degenerates and this is so fun. So NBA favorites that's for it. next year, the Nets at plus 225. They'll hopefully be healthy, strong with Harden and KD and then Lakers and then Bucks plus 800. Are you taking any of those early? Yeah. So the way I think I look at it early on, you know, really early on, we're about 200 days mm-hmm. away from another season. Yeah. I look at the teams that current odds could change dramatically. So a person like Damian Lillard, is he available? Mm-hmm. And does he go to a team like the Heat or the Knicks or even the Lakers? Mm-hmm. So those are probably the teams that I would approach. 450 for the Lakers. I think that changes dramatically if they get a Chris Paul or a Damian Lillard. Definitely. Heat plus 3,500, Knicks plus 8,000. Those teams become, you know, infinitely better when you get, when you add a point guard like that and a, an absolute all star, an Olympian as well. And then uh, the last team I think I go with is the Nuggets. Jamal Murray will be healthy again. I think you can, you can say that they had a little bit of a, the short end of the stick due to his injury. It was clear and apparent. So I'd take them early on now too. Absolutely. Sticking with basketball, USA men's basketball in the Olympics, they start Sunday versus France. Zach Levine was cleared. Brad Beal still out. That that whole situation sucks. Plus 360 for the US to win by six to 10 points. How do you like that one? Yeah, I uh, the spread is 11 and a half. So I would rather take that because I think mm-hmm. the USA basketball team actually has a bad taste in their mouth from a couple of those exhibition games. For sure. I can see them blowing France out of the water. The, the odds aren't great for them to win the title. They're minus 350. So you have to put up a little bit to, to win a little bit. I would maybe hedge that with uh, putting Australia as an example, who's plus 750. Mm. I don't think they can do it. But I think if you throw a few bucks as, as kind of the backup, I think that lends you a, a good position where you kind of trail USA throughout the tournament and then just make sure you have a little bit of, of your money on, on Australia as well, should they pull up the crazy upset. But the good thing for us is throughout the entire tournament for the Olympics, we're actually running a promotion for USA basketball. So every game, you can bet $20 on them and you get a free $5 bet. So we want you riding the storm just like we will. I love that. Everyone should check that out. Olympics are so fun and even more fun when you got something at stake yourself, right? Absolutely. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Okay. I'm going to have a really fun week this week. I'm going to Detroit with our BetMGM family, staying at the MGM Grand, excited to visit our sports book there as well. What should I put some money on as we're looking forward maybe to football season a little bit? Um, there aren't many live events this week quite yet. What, what would you recommend I take a look at? Yeah. So futures obviously are, are going to be the big thing for the next month. Mm-hmm. I think not only do you look at just teams to win the Super Bowl where it's this crazy, sexy payout, mm-hmm. but teams to win the division. I think you look at a couple. I happen to be a Niners fan, but Cardinals, I think, are plus 600 to win the NFC West. Okay, I love that for a team like like the cards that have a guy like Kyler Murray that somehow is still up and coming and still hasn't even proven what he can be. Yeah, he's already a great player. He might've even been a pro bowler last year, but you look at teams like that where they have a legitimate shot. You don't know what's going to happen with someone like the Rams losing Cam Akers yesterday. Seattle's always up in the air. Niners have a lot of things they're working through as well with quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. I would really lean going into division winners, even AFC or NFC winners. Okay. And then obviously football winners for the Super Bowl, And then a couple of golf tournaments. So, 3M starts tomorrow and you can put a bet on that and go on our app and actually look at some of the events down the line as well. So there's still a ton to bet on. And obviously you said at the Olympics, hockey is Mm -hmm. on its way back slowly and and certainly NBA as well. 
But now I want a quick payout while I'm there. And you know, Peter, I'm very cheap. So it's like pulling it from my stone cold grip. So I'm excited. I was looking, there are some live events. They're like under 20 games I was looking at. I'm feeling pretty confident on. Yeah. We, we, you know, it's the lesser of the sports, but there's a ton going yep. on. I think if you want your quick payout and we know you'll win the money, obviously, I think you just go the baseball route. Okay. First five inning bets. You can obviously do full game bets. Okay. My Yankees are looking a little bit better as of late. So I think that's not a bad bet. I think okay. they have the Sox all weekend in, in Fenway. So it'll be an exciting series. We'll obviously have it on at the sports book at the uh, MGM Grand Detroit. So you'll be able to get your fix and watch as well. Oh, I'm excited. Now, you also want to touch on NHL. The expansion draft is this week. How do you feel about the Kraken's team? Yeah. So the team fully gets announced tonight. They've, they've leaked a bit of it and the team looks really solid. So, you know, the way the NHL works is you can protect a certain amount of players, but you have to expose some of your players. And, and a lot of times people have to expose a, a superstar, an all-star, a really good player. Mm. And based off what the Kraken are picking, they look like they have a, a legitimate team. They're plus 4,000 as of right now to win the Stanley Cup. Who's to say they can't do it, what the Knights did and maybe even take a step further and actually win the Stanley Cup. So mm-hmm. it's worth throwing a couple bucks on them. And then yeah. this, this week will obviously shake out where it, it's going to be crazy because you have the actual NHL draft this weekend. Free agency resumes. Teams are going to be wheeling and dealing. New York Rangers are rumored to get Jack Eichel. They're plus 2,500. That will change dramatically if they land him. And then you have teams like the Maple Leafs that really teetering on getting over the edge. But they're plus 1,400. They have a great team. They have a top three team in the league. I think if you take any of those three, put yourself in a good spot. We need to get Marty Turco back on the show to help us get ready for NHL draft week, right? Yeah, absolutely. He, uh, I think he'll agree with me on some of those picks too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Peter, thanks so much for not only giving our audience great advice week after week, but thank you for giving me some advice <laughs> for my trip to Detroit. I am so excited. If I'm mad at you next week, you'll know why. Yeah. Have fun. I'm sure you'll have a blast <laughs> with our MGM family. Oh yeah. Peter Andrew, thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us this week, folks. I am headed to Detroit to stay at our MGM Grand. I cannot wait to place a couple bets while I'm there. Thank you for following. I'll let you know how I clean out next week. Follow us everywhere at BetMGM and listen and rate, review wherever you listen to podcasts. 